Why, hello. I didn't see you walking in there. Welcome. Highfalutin Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 139, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? So I'd like to say to all the fans, why don't you come in? Why don't you have a seat? Come on. Yeah, pull up. Got a nice couch here. I mean, the couch right now is full of merch and uh, other assorted garbage that my parents were kind enough to bring and dump on me. But... (laughs) You know, I went through, I, I have so many like hockey and baseball cards. I oh, went really? through a bunch of them this past week. And all I could think about was that old George Carlin sketch where he's like, yeah, you know, I stopped collecting baseball cards when I realized they're just pictures of men. <laughs> <laughs> and all I kept doing was flicking through them. I'm like, pictures of men, worthless pictures of men. Ah, but being the sensitive guy that I am, I actually had some uh, female hockey players cards that I had. I had uh, Manon Rayom. I don't know if anyone remembers her. She was a goalie for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think she played like in the... I think she played in a preseason or a minor league game in the pros. She was Montreal also. I don't know, but she definitely played for Tampa Bay. Or Montreal, as they say. Montreal. Um, and and Cami Granado. So I have a Cami Granado card. And I have a bunch of Manarium cards because I was really, I found her like so attractive. And the saddest thing was one of the most attractive pictures of her was a card of her with like her Jersey with blood on it. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Was that stuck to the other cards? Oh, we're we're not going there, my friend. (laughs) But then I found this like, again, like there's all my old junk. And there's this picture of like Claudia Schiffer from like 1990. Now, Pretty good I don't picture know. Back then. I don't know if you kids remember who Claudia Schiffer was. Well, you have to kind of. She's she's just unbelievably smoking hot. Probably still now. Now, one thing you have to kind of realize with her is that well, you have to give credit and respect to David Copperfield because he apparently was married to her or dating her or something. David so Copperfield, you can trash David Copperfield for being a fraud, a goof. Uh, a scam artist, whatever. But whatever he did... Didn't he get like busted for having an island and trying to get lure girls out there? It was pretty funny. Allegedly, perhaps. Allegedly. But whatever... whatever, I'm looking at... I looked her up just now. Whatever kind of spell he put on her, you just got to give respect to the man. So, yeah. So I got all my junk here. But yeah, thank you guys so much for checking us out again this week. We really do appreciate it. Check us out. All of our info, skibumpodcast.com. Still a lot of stuff going on there. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Every day, I'm trying to make updates on the site. There, uh, perhaps, in theory, maybe, if all goes well, there may be a new section added to the site next week called Shop or Merch or whatever kind of cute hip name the kids are using that I decided to use. <laughs> but yeah, we're uh, we're trying to you know offer you guys some some fun, cool stuff to check out if you're interested. We'd appreciate it. Check us out on the socials: Twitter.com/slash/SkiBumpPodcast, Facebook.com/slash/SkiBumpPodcast, Instagram.com/slash/SkiBumpPodcast. We've been trying to post at least two, three times on Instagram every day. We're uh, creating up our own little hashtags, like we had you know Matterhorn Mondays. We did Telluride Tuesdays. We kind of skipped Whistler Wednesday because we went with Warren Miller Wednesday because you know what? It's our hashtag. We'll do the f- f- whatever we want because that's, right. that's how we do things. We kind of go a little jazz with our Instagram today. Yeah. Throwback Thursday. I'm sure you all saw the Better Off Dead VHS cassette. That's Again, cool. part of me. 
part of the junk my parents dumped upon me. Thanks awesome. again for that. I love it when parents get rid of stuff. They're just like, here's some crap. I think it's yours. See you later. Oh, I got my sister's crap too because she was smart enough to move to Colorado. That's so what they do. They're like, I don't want it anymore. You take it. Yeah. I don't but, blame them. But I've also been watching uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Shout out to Gary V. His uh, trash talk show that he does now. He does a a podcast, a YouTube video, where he goes out garage selling every weekend. And in his garage sales, like he's finding stuff. He's spending like 50, 80, 100 bucks. And he's selling stuff up to $2,000. So he's doing a lot of mugs, toys, matchbox cars, all that stuff. So I started going through all my old crap. Be like, oh, maybe I have some, some hidden gems in here. Nope. I have jack shit. I found this like Hot Wheels car. It's from like 1999. It's a Porsche 911 GT3 still in the, like the, the container, you know, like the cardboard with the little plastic on there. It's worth like four bucks. I'm like, there you go. I don't have anything dope. All my stuff sucks. Dude, think about it. You bought it at probably like 50 cents. That's a, that's a good profit. Accept it. But the, the dollar is worth <laughs> so much less because of inflation, because the fed, you know, I hear you. But so anyway, so again, we're hitting up Instagram. We're trying to do more stuff. We're trying to have more fun with it. Um, we're also on Pinterest. I don't know if we've been pinning, Mario. Have we been pinning? Didn't pin. I'll, I'll try to pin tonight. Hi, Falutins. Jot that down. Pin. We're also on SoundCloud, which again, my dumbass hasn't updated, but we're there. SoundCloud.com slash highfalutin dash ski bum. We're on YouTube. It's kind of a pain getting the YouTube video up there, but I'm still making the effort to do it. We got like four views. So, you know, we haven't got just like we worked on this podcast to get the format and the audio. We're working on the YouTube. We're going to get there. Trying to streamline more stuff, trying to make it a lot easier to to upload and to do. But the way I'm doing it now, and again, if anyone has recommendations for better ways to do it, please hit us up. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. If anybody wants to intern for us for free, absolutely free, that's welcome too. Yeah. We'll send you some stickers, perhaps. Um, but yeah, we're trying. So what I've been doing is taking the final MP3 file that we uploaded to iTunes. And we've been, I've been taking that and dumping it into iMovie and then just adding the image to it. And it takes like a good... I mean, I do it at a pretty low quality because again, it's not really any sort of video that has to be captured. I do it at like a low, uh, I think 540p. Uh, resolution and it still takes like a half an hour to render it and it's like a two gig file and then i upload it to youtube damn i'm sure there's a better way i don't know this is what i've been doing it's been working so far so if you have any better ideas please hit us up ski bum podcast at gmail.com or if you're feeling freaky you know brian at ski bum podcast.com or mario at ski bum podcast.com we got emails all over the place yes we do so oh before we get into the start of the show I just want to let you guys know next week, which is the week of the 5th, November 5th. Hi, I will be with our pal. You know him from Frank's being the week. I will. We will be at the TGR premiere in New York city. So if you want to hit us up, find us, I'll be posting. We'll be around. I'll be wearing some swag so you can find me. Frank's on a tear lately. You got to take some video. You Frank hanging out because that's going to be some, some fun shit. We're going to Instagram story some stuff. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get some beers before and some beers that during might, and some beers after. So that might be stuff for our Patreon uh, patrons. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll see how that goes. Special secret Patreon footage. So we're doing that Wednesday. And then Mario, you are coming back north and we are going to the Boston 
Let's get the Snow official Expo. name. It is called the Ski Boston Ski and Snowboard Expo. Yes. So we are going to that. We'll be there Friday, Saturday, and probably even a little bit on Sunday. We're next week. with our buddy Matt. Yes. From our Boston friend Matt. Globe. Yes, who is probably still happy and hungover from the, the Red Sox parade yesterday. They had a party. Oh, they did. Yes, they did. So we'll be set, meeting up with uh, some folks up there. We have some plans to meet up with some people that we've you know spoken to in the past or uh, reach out to people online to to make some more contacts, do some more interviews. So we're going to have a fun time. We have a couple things sketched out, some scaffolding set up, but we're going to be doing it again, kind of freestyling and we got you know, some just dope outfits. We got a dope place to stay. We got some, some pretty baller ass people. There's some pretty cool people that we're planning to hang out with. So this is going to be a lot of fun and we're, we're really looking forward to it. Like I've been, I've been jonesing for this and Mario, you have been too. So we're going to be going up there. Like I said, Friday and uh, hitting it Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And, Hopefully, yeah. If you guys are around, please find us. We're going to be posting all the time. We're going to be, you know, as much as possible and try to meet up with some people, maybe get a drink somewhere. Hopefully get that to Trillium, get some beers from there. Oh, we're going to get there. That's that's on my short list of, uh, excuse me, places I got to hit up. Yeah, I've been to Boston plenty of times and it's a great city. And luckily where we're going to be is pretty close to the brewery. So I haven't been there. So looking forward to that and you know what i maybe even be a sport and try one of those uh red Sox double ipas that sam adams came out with just to be uh just to be a good guy because you know Sports. what yeah i'll i'll do that i'm not a, i'm not below or above that you know i uh i'm gonna have to learn how to speak boston uh i'm sure you'll have plenty of people you can emulate while we're there yes i'm gonna try i'm gonna try very very hard to fit in speaking of drinks it's time for our prey Today. Today I'm, do, I'm playing a little garbage man. I'm going to call this my version of purple drink. Um, there's no coating cough syrup in it, but it's purple. So I'm calling it purple drink. But uh, it's basically just uh, today I'm going a little, um, like I said, a little low cost, a little, little just out there. Uh, I think this is actually Tito's vodka with Gatorade. Nice and simple. Keeping it hydrated, keeping it real. So, Tito's uh, and Gatorade. I like that. It's kind of, you know, if you think about it for Opre Ski, it's great because it's recovery. You get to hydrate, get a little electrolytes back in you after a day of skiing. Plus, you get a little relaxation with a little Tito's. Indeed. No doubt about that. I know I'm a big fan of mixing anything with vodka. I just know from a few episodes back, if I have a big enough bottle of vodka, I just keep mixing the yeah. vodka with whatever I have and things can, can spiral off the old rails kind of soon. But, oh, yeah. but Tito's is, is yummy stuff. Yeah. It's good with the Gatorade, I tell you. So what's your favorite Gatorade? I love the Riptide Rush. And I also like the uh, Citrus, the hell, Citrus Cooler. That one's another good one. I honestly could not tell you what my favorite Gatorade is. I just, I, uh, I don't drink it too often. You know what? I guess... When I usually drink it, it's either if I'm playing hockey and I'm just dehydrated and going to die, or if I have a stomach virus. Those are my two big... So I was really, really sick when I flew back from Whistler back in March, which I think we talked about in one of the episodes. And I don't know if it was the blanket I put over my face from the plane. Probably. Stupid move. I know. When I was on the floor, the flight before that they just put on the seat and put it all over your face. I was first class in a pod. You'd think that they would at least sanitize whatever they gave me. 
right but, uh, put his grundle from the grundle to your face i don't know if it was so i don't know if it was the blanket or some weird cheese that i ate but i got violently ill for like three days oh, after cheese. that you, you were tasting taint from the blanket too it was um, probably it was probably taint <laughs> from the blanket yes <laughs> so i got really sick stuff Super sick, and I woke up. You know, when you have a stomach virus and you're puking, you know, you wake up at like four in the morning, and you're just like, I got. Hopefully, I can make it to the morning. Hopefully, like I survive the night because you just can't sleep because you're puking and sweating and whatever. The night is dark and full of terrors, my man. (laughs) It is. So yeah, it was like four thirty or five, whatever. And all I could think about was, I wonder if I can drive to the quick check and get some Gatorade, like the fruit. Like I'm gonna go and buy like six Gatorades. And then you're like judging, like, will I be able to make it or am I going to shit myself on the way there back? Which is why luckily I fell back <laughs> asleep and my lovely wife, when, she, when I woke up, was like, can I get you anything? I'm like, I need Gatorade. Dude, that's what you got to call like Uber Eats or some shit now. Yeah. Like boop, boop, just deliver. Uber Aid. Just Uber-Aid. like, why doesn't Gatorade just do something like that? Have like a freaking, some sort of vehicle cruising around, just like bring Gatorades to people. There should be a faucet that you hook up in your house. You just, it's Gatorade. Wouldn't that be... Well, it's like when you go to those certain restaurants that have that multiple combination Coca-Cola machine where you can like choose like a thousand flavors. That'd be great. They have like Coke, Mountain... Or what is it? Sprite, uh, Fanta. And you Part can like mix the different flavors. You have yeah. one of those. Yeah. That'd be cool. Well, we're going to have 3D printers soon for everything. Might as well have some sort of beverage device that could just make any sort of beverage. See, I like the Gatorade though. I drink the Gatorade when I go biking mm-hmm. and I mix it like half water, half Gatorade in the bottle just to get okay. some electrolytes. It's too sweet to for sometimes, but I think they stopped making it as sweet. And um, I definitely have some around. There's usually like a bottle laying around just in case I go biking and just like in case I go out and drink a lot because it's really good like the next day. Nice. Have you seen like Pedialyte's, all these ads they have now? No. Like, we're not just for babies anymore. Like if you want to go out and party, make sure you yep. have a Pedialyte after you come home. Hell yeah. Same thing as Gatorade, man. Trying a whole new target market. Yeah. You got around for the baby. Want to hang it, you know, hold it around for something else. I guess. It's like being sure you want a little protein boost. Insure. Yeah. At the gym. Going to get jacked. What are you drinking? Insure, bro. Insure, bro. All day. I got my gallon of water and my insure. <laughs> All right, Brian, what do you got going on? The weather here has turned be- from beautiful, it's ready to become winter, to, hey, let's be 72 degrees today. It got weird. It got weird all of a sudden. It started getting warm. I got annoyed. But luckily, in the fridge, so you think, oh, let's break into the pumpkin beers now. You know, it's November. Perfect time to have a pumpkin beer. Hell yeah. Not when it's 72 degrees. So you know what I'm drinking? I'm drinking a goddamn summer shandy. Because you know what? I'm, I'm just summer. I'm going to, people like me, I'm just going to show up in November all of a sudden. How about go fuck yourself, summer? We're done with you. Go home. Why don't you, know? you take summer, bring it out to, to Jersey, bring it to Newark, beat the shit out of it, and, and teach it who's Just boss. shoot in the back of the head and throw it in the freaking <laughs> dump in Secaucus. Some dumpster. Yeah. But yeah. I've got a line in Kugel orange shandy because, oh, orange. summer's coming back. Orange shandy? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, no, they made it. Oh, dude, I drank so many of these this past summer because we had really? you know, multiple parties. We went to Costco and they have the variety pack. So they have like the regular one, the lemon, the summer shandy. They had watermelon, grapefruit, and orange. Hmm. 
I think yeah. I like the orange. I don't like the grapefruit too much. I like the grapefruit. I actually like all of them. The watermelons I was crushing one day. And you do like seven of them, you still feel pretty good. Yeah. Because they're like only 4.2. They're super light. And I'm not trying to get all all banged up tonight because I got work to do. So I got my coffee in my dope-ass highfalutin ski bums Yeti cup, which I posted on Instagram. Yeah, those are nice. These are super dope. You really would be lucky to have one of these. Super duper dope. Yeah, so I got my coffee here. And I got my summer shandy. So I'm ready to do some oh, podcast shit. damage here tonight. Dude, it cooled down to like 82 degrees and I had a pumpkin beer yesterday. It tasted delicious. That's just weird. <laughs> 82 degrees and pumpkin don't go well together. It's all relative, man. I guess. Kids are running around, hopped up on Halloween candy. You had your little son running around like Dracula just getting candy and stuff. He was the cutest little Dracula ever, yes. I, I love seeing like kids like... I think probably like when they hit like their teens, like 13, 14, when they start kind of outgrowing it. But they're they become dicks in general at that point. Yeah. But uh, no, like my girlfriend's son was, uh, he's 11. He, he went out, got a ton of candy. He had like a freaking awesome time. It looked like I was like, so kids running all over the neighborhood. I'm like, this is what it's about. It was pretty cool. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It was fun being out. Was the first time I've been out as a, as a parent and it was uh it was a, like it was so much more fun than i than i remember the last you know 20 years or so before like since i've been out on my own well i think it's great for kids because they have their costume and kids give you know people give them compliments and they feel good hanging out with their buddies yeah it's a good time out. you know especially if it's good weather they just they run around and it's pretty cool you yeah get hopped up on yeah, I saw kids some kids that were just hopped up on way too much sugar i'm like they're not going to bed till like one o'clock Dude, I I ate a bunch of candy last night. I, I I usually don't eat candy, so I just decided to go whole hog. You know, Twix, peanut butter cups, Snickers, whatever. I probably had at least like twelve pieces, like the little fun size pieces, and I almost instantly fell into like a diabetic coma on the couch and awesome. just went to sleep. Did you wake up like with a spree stuck to your cheek and like a freaking Snickers half out of your face? No, I, there was none of that, but I fell asleep on like the most uncomfortable pillow. Like one of those dumb pillows made of like straw, like why it's like decorative, but for yeah. some reason women think they need to be on the couch for something. Decorative pillows. They need to have a function. So I had like the, you know, the, the, the mesh of the, the pillow outline all over my face, nice, which was weird. And then I was like, Oh my God, I got to brush my teeth or all my teeth are going to fall out. So Made a beeline to the bathroom, brushed my teeth, went to bed. Watched Black Mirror before, too. That was a stupid idea. Why would you ever... What show? Second season? No, I'm on the last one. It was the one with the the robot dogs that were, like, hunting people down. Why why would I watch that? Like, what what the hell was I thinking? (laughs) It's all depressed and frigging sugar coma. I'm like, if I eat all these candy, they're definitely going to hunt me down and kill me. Like, super easy. You smell like candy. You smell good. Like, Mm. "Mm, we like Twix. We're going to eat this guy. So while we're still talking, keeping on the apre tip, got a couple stories here. This is a fun one. U.S. troops drink Iceland's capital, eh, Iceland capital's entire beer supply in one weekend. Boom. Merka, that's what we do. Thousands of U.S. soldiers depleted all of the beer in Iceland's capital over the weekend. More than 6,000 soldiers were in Reykjavik for four days participating in the Trident Juncture 18, a NATO-led military exercise. And after their drills, the troops reportedly visited the city's downtown bars where they finished off the entire beer supply. Wow, that's awesome. Merka. Merka. I've never been prouder in my life. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> According to Icelandic magazine Visor, the brewery Olegro Eglis Skalgrismarer had to send emergency beer weird, cases yeah. to the bars. <laughs> Bar owners repeatedly or reportedly said they had never experienced a situation similar to this before. Nice. Soldiers came to port Wednesday night and left Sunday, but managed to drink the entire time they were visiting. <laughs> That's awesome. Because they probably weren't drinking that much, and they're like, you're on this NATO thing. It's different than being like on, you know, U.S. thing. Actually, I think this is the isn't this the um, the drill that they had that uh, Vice uh, Vice covered it one year, two years oh, was ago, it? when they first started this up. And they were talking about how World War III could be started by an invasion of Iceland with Russia trying to encroach on the, um, the whole shipping lanes up there because they were thawing out. Oh. And they were fighting for shipping territory for oil and natural gas. So I did said, not know that. Yeah, it was this crazy thing. I mean, I, I guess it's still pretty tense up there because they were doing shit like planting a flag under the ice saying that they claimed that area and stuff classic like that. Putin. Like it was weird stuff going on and they were just basically trying to bully around. So they, they did this gigantic, um, I mean, 6,000 soldiers is bigger than the one I heard. Um, but so uh, now, because now I got black mirror to freak me out. And now I got Russia to start world war three in Iceland. That's also going to freak me out. You got to go back. I'll send you the link for the vice uh, oh, episode. It was, right. uh, it was pretty interesting though. Like they did this whole exercise and like, they hadn't done anything that big with um, U.S. involvement in NATO, um, and then U.S. sent a lot of troops over. So it was cool. They said it, it, it was good to get them into fighting in a cold environment, like with snow and stuff. So they were like, you know, digging trenches, like getting like getting ready to fight in snow. I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, it's like a video game. But nice. And then of course after that, Putin had to have uh, like a twenty thousand uh, troop you know, Russia only military display of, you know, actions, you know, drills as well. So it's, it's pretty fun. It's like a big testing contest, but it's cool yeah. to see that they're doing it. Anyway, uh, I think after that, you need a, uh, one of these groundbreaking beers made with actual cannabis will actually get you high. So nice. it, they say it'll most assuredly get you high. There's a patent, pending process to bring a real cannabis beer to life. Um, and they're saying it's taking on traditional brewing. So they're saying, you know, with the introduction of, of cannabis being available for recreational consumption and a lot more uh, craft beer entrepreneurs out there, they're saying it's kind of putting the two of them together. So um, they're saying the concept of it is cannabis infused. Um, but it's actually cannabis beer. So they're saying the science, the science behind it is it's a patent pending process that they're keeping under wraps and province brands is the maker of cannabis brew. And they're saying that it's a real deal when it comes to beer. It's not an infusion. It's an actual brewing process to get the cannabis in the beer. So would they be like replacing hops with cannabis then? I have no idea. Maybe it's a, uh, it's a process where they bring it in the filtration process, or maybe after they do the boil, they run it through cannabis. Because the infusion um, would be afterwards, right? Versus yeah. an actual brewing, which would have it during the brew process. 
Right. So I guess technically if they add it to the, to the hot oil, they could get the cannabis and then they strain it usually because, you know, that's where you, you make the wort. So maybe they put in that. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like when they put in hops. So they're saying some of the custom equipment, um, they had the help of some custom equipment and ingenuity. And they didn't get into the specifics because it's patent pending. Um, so they said it's very similar to that of traditional beer. So I would imagine, you know, instead of a mild dose of alcohol like a beer, it will contain a minor dose of THC, which will give you a relatively short buzz. So I guess in terms of, you know, that whole, you know, scenario, it's not going to like dose you way beyond belief, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see a lot more of this and, you know, I'm wondering if it's going to hit first in Canada because, you know, obviously Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, they've all been legal for a while now, but you know, they probably also realize too that so much of their market is outside of where they brew. So that's when you get into all those issues of moving things over state lines, which you can't a federal fence, right. you're going to some like federal law violation, which they they don't want to, mess around with while well, Canada, they can just have it all over the country. So I'm, I'm it seems like it's going to be those Canadian breweries that are going to pop up doing this first. Well, they're, they're in Canada, but they said right now they're actually abiding by current Canadian law prohibiting marijuana sale. So I guess you're allowed to have it, grow it, all that stuff. Um, and this was when they were doing, it was back in uh, February. So they actually, what they have released now is a, they did a pilot. So just before it became legal, they had to start the brewing. And before it became legal, which was just a few weeks ago, they were producing a hemp, uh, a pilsner brewed with hemp. So um, they said instead of the psychoactive ingredients, the hemp would give it the flavor that it's going to have. And they were piling it out, like getting people to try it. So I'm interested to see if they do now have the uh, THC um, version of this. Yeah, I'm sure that's coming. So it's pretty cool. They, they decided to do a uh, non-THC hemp version just to get the uh, flavor out there. They want to see a fr- flavor profile. That's pretty awesome. Cool. Well, since we're talking about cannabis. Let's get into the Genjula. As I mentioned before, I will be hanging out with our buddy Frank from Frank's Beat of the Week next week at the TGR premiere of Far Out in New York. Frank was kind enough to send us a a unique bean this week. This isn't an actual strain, something a little bit different. This is from the good folks at Gron Lab. They've come out with a concentrate that is called Blue God Death Bubba Stratos Spheres. These are rosins. So rosin is what you get when you press the cannabis out. You press the, the, the actual bud. The high pressure has the releases the oils, and then these oils kind of get globbed, almost, I guess globbed would be a way to put it, together to create these concentrated, um, I guess they call them rosins. And so these you can actually get in chunks and then just smoke them in a pipe. Nice. And they're super concentrated. I mean, these ones that we're talking about right here, the Death Bubba slash Blue God, these are rolling in at 43% THC. Damn. 
these will take you to a special place. Light you up, man. Yeah, these are these are no joke. These are not for the amateurs. I have acetate assassin says didn't give me crazy munchie, but it still got me super baked. Was also super positive and focused after. Nothing wrong with that. Bad at all, man. Acetate assassin. He's saying sweet berry aroma, deep purple leaves freckled in frosty resin. Oh God. It's cool. The container looks like, well, it's a, it's a little jar, but the top looks like a hockey puck. That's all I could think of when I first saw this thing. Oh, yeah. Rosin infused cannabis flower coated in bubble hash. Bubble hash. I like the terminology bubble hash. Yeah. Thank you, Frank, for sending this in. Oh, that's sweet. And if you have some next week, allegedly, maybe we can partake. Allegedly. There you go. Could have half might Perhaps. need to happen. You know, for research and posterity purposes. I think it's uh, we're all about ex- just the way you have to live your life is think about improv comedy. They say never say no, always say yes and. There you go. Think about the best stories and the best times of your life. It was never because you said no to something. Unless it was and, no to something that was dumb and lame. And you don't want to just talk about it. You want to talk from experience. That's really you know. You Look can't. at the dude from last week, the Utah senator. It was like, I'm going to Nevada. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to take some edibles because I'm voting on medical marijuana next week. Right. Let's have a, a, a well thought out, actual real life experience to uh, be able to decide. Bingo. All right. So next up we have uh, the midterm elections, which are next week. Speaking uh, we'll of give, which. We'll give some voters a chance to legalize marijuana. So they're saying Michigan, North Dakota, Utah, and Missouri will vote on marijuana this year. So only the first two are uh, North Carolina and Michigan are for recreational are for recreational. The other ones are still uh, medical medical. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so this year, California opened the marijuana market altogether. Vermont legalized marijuana possession, which is the first state to do so through its legislature. I guess people got it in or they decriminalized it, but this is actually by legislature now is, is, put in well yeah we've talked about it in the past there's some of weird rules where you can't actually buy it you yeah. have to grow it or but you could possess it have it yeah right so if you can buy it illegally you could possess it legally right cool. um but you can grow it so uh yeah so they're saying you know michigan michigan it's called uh proposal one so it's possession it's growing um then there's North Dakota measure three, which is possessions. Okay. Um, expunges previous marijuana con- convictions from criminal records. That's pretty interesting. So now if you had a criminal record because of marijuana possession, if this law gets passed, you don't have anything. And that's where a lot of the problems seem to be coming in. A lot of these legislators. Yeah. You know, when you, when you really break it down, a lot of these things, they don't know what to do. And, you know, if you're going to just let people go free, you know, how many people are you going to let them go free? Is it just the ones who have one offense, two offenses? What if they had an offense? Cause th- then it becomes a slippery slope of, well, I was only in jail for weed. Then I shanked some guy in prison. Now I'm in jail for life. If I hadn't been busted for weed, I would never have been in prison in the first place and would have shanked that guy. And, you know, it just, it becomes very messy. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, like just getting put in jail in general and getting that stigma of having like a felony on you or just a long sentence in jail, it puts you into a position where you really don't have a lot of opportunities, you know? No, like, it's, it's really fucked up and it shouldn't have been... You don't have job opportunities, you can't vote. Like there's a lot of things that, you know, people take for granted that one charge of marijuana possession could have ruined in your life that you enjoy today without thinking about it. But it really could have been, you know, devastating to somebody's life. Yeah, no doubt. And it, again, it becomes that slippery slope. Like you don't know, you know, where that, uh, where it took you because you ended up there. And it's, it really is such a, a bullshit thing to have illegal. And, you know, we've gone on, we've, I think it's almost every episode I, I bitch about, you know, the, weed laws why it's illegal in the first place you know the history of it why it should have never been illegal in the first place but it was vilified because someone was trying to make money off of it yeah and then you have the whole like you know military industrial complex which is i don't know why i'm writing about that but you hear about like the um you have prison like private prisons and prison guard unions that are trying to keep it illegal the police police unions trying to keep it illegal the the you know all these ads you see on tv for this is your brain on drugs these were all funded by the tobacco and the alcohol companies because again they're making their money off something that's currently legal and the fact when you ever hear any politician or anyone say talk about the concern for the citizens they are so full of shit they don't give a fuck about the citizens all they care about is is making sure that they're getting paid that's all they care about every single time i had a conversation with somebody that is in florida and they were trying to get their license for medical marijuana place and they said they were actually against legalization for recreation use because it would ruin their market and business for medical marijuana they're like why would people try to get a medical marijuana license when they could just get it recreationally. And I yeah. was like, wow. So to protect your business, even you would be against it. Like, yeah, because it means millions of dollars for me. I was like, well, again, that's every single, that's, you can look at every person's reason for voting or believing in something. Yep. It's because of money. Every time. It's not for the general masses. It's what's in it for them. They don't give oh. a shit about that. Yeah. He's probably like, again, I've said it many times too. fucking Chris Christie talking about, we have an addiction problem in this country. We're not going to legalize marijuana on my watch. The guy's 700 fucking pounds. <laughs> and he was in the state that has the most pharmaceutical headquarters Wait, of any state in the country. Pounds. You know, of course they're all the, the pharmaceuticals don't want to be legalized because they're going to lose a third to a half of all prescriptions. People want to go like, I don't need to be on seven different painkillers when I can just get, marijuana or just grow up myself well you know they used to give the stigma of it as being a gateway drug and if you look at the effects of being caught for a possession now i saw a story i can correlate this to a story that i saw on meth and there were people that were um arrested after overdosing on meth now they weren't selling it they weren't possessing it they just overdosed on it so they had it in their system and they charged them and what happens is they got charged with a felony so now here somebody is, they're addicted to meth, they go into rehab, they're charged with a felony, they get out halfway house, and they can't get a job. So they clean themselves up, and then they can't get a decent job. And they were saying, you know, that feeds into the problem. And I imagine the same thing kind of happens with marijuana. Like if you get caught, you know, if you got caught for marijuana possession, and you get slapped a fine or whatever, and now it limits your career choices, your options, and it's, it's not good. 
you know? Well, that's I mean, one of the things, too, that, again, this whole thing of this blanket statement of what is drugs, quote-unquote, crystal meth and marijuana are two completely totally different, different yeah. things. That's I'm like, saying that like effect the, of charging you and, and putting that on your record, it's the same effect. If you did meth or you did marijuana, you have felony. That's insane. That's, being, that's saying, like, oh, I like food. It's, yeah. you know, foie gras and beans in a can are two very different things. You know, but yeah. like when you put it under the, the label of food, they're they're both food, right? No. But, but now too is a felony charge. Now you gotta put that on your job applications. People are like we don't have higher felons. Well imagine if you were uh an owner of a store or a company or something, and you had two resumes come to you and one dude's like, Yeah, I got busted for smoking weed, and one guy's like, Yeah, I got busted for smoking meth. Yeah. The guy smoking the meth is not gonna be at the top of that that list of people you want to hire. Again, here's, right or wrong, no, you know. Here's the hard part. Even if you want to hire them, you might not be able to because you might not be able to insure them. You got to bond them by your company, you know. Now you're talking, even your hands are tied because of the way the system is that because you have a felony, it, you know, it, it affects how you can insure that person working for you. It's, it's crazy. All, it's all in the name of, of making making money. That's what it all comes down to. These big companies making money and governments getting funded with taxes from them paying off, you know, paying. It's just, it's gross. When you really dig down into it, it's, it's pretty gross. You know, I, I think yeah, a couple, people are getting aware that there is a connection between all this. And years ago, people would think, Oh, there's no connection between a person that can't get a hold down a good job. And the fact that they got pinched for you know, marijuana thing, you know what I mean? Now that's, people are drawing the connection and saying, that's fucked up. It's one of the best things about the internet is that the amount of information we've all been presented, you know, that we can all look, search for ourselves, the real connections, seeing where things are, who's funding what, where the money's coming from for studies to see if we're actually getting the honest story about a lot of this stuff, which, you know, I, again, it's, it's taking time, but I think we're eventually going to be a more, a better society because of it. Yeah. Once Bitcoin comes in, watch out the banks. And we get rid of more government and people are a little more sovereign and autonomous. I think we'll have a, a happier, more enlightened society. Well, they're going to legalize it nationally so that they can bank, so that they can, the banks are going to lobby to try to keep Bitcoin at base though. So it's going to happen. The beautiful thing about the banks is they're always way too late to the party. Yep. And there's no, and they can be at completely least in the US avoided. and Canada, they went, they're, they're right on time. Canada, they, uh, you know, the cold keeps the brain firing up there. Uh, con- a country that embraces snow is smarter. Just saying. <laughs> True. Absolutely right. You don't see any world's strongest men coming out of Honduras, do you? It's always like Iceland and we Norway. Go to, we go to the snowy country and we drink them out of house and home. That's true. <laughs> I mean, like, how many jobs can there be in Iceland? I mean, there's not much up there. I said a, a guy I work with just went there and he's like, yeah, it's great, but there isn't much to do. Like there isn't much there. It's beautiful, but you know, they don't have much crops. You know, everything is so expensive because they got to import it. If they have breweries, why don't they just make more beer? Uh, 36 job openings in Iceland on Glassdoor. What's that? Right now. 36 job openings on Glassdoor in Iceland. In Iceland. There you go. Let's see. There's 36. That's how many jobs there are. In the whole country. I guess. I well, there's 360 people, so that's pretty good. 10% unemployment. You know, they'll fill those things up pretty quick. Uh, consular officer, software engineer. NetApp in Reykjavik. Nice. 
home delivery driver, Iceland Foods. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of cryptocurrency stuff going on up there because they're having the the mining because of all the geothermal power they have there. Nice. Yeah. So Concept energy's cheap and it's cold, so it's good for it's good for mining rigs. Our concept artist. Back in engineer. Huh. I'm going to have to look at uh, Iceland jobs and see what's open. It's always an opportunity. Maybe moving to Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about Boston and going to the, the ski show next week. I saw an article yesterday because I was trying to find out what sort of recreational stops we can make along the way. If you know what I'm talking about. So they're saying the final approval to begin sales still remains elusive for marijuana retailers in Massachusetts. Mm, This is coming. They legalized it two years ago next week. Two years ago. And And they still still can't sell it? No. Because, you know why? Because our audience, they're pissed off too. Government incompetence and, and the people in charge trying to get their buddies involved and themselves involved so that they can make more money off of this. That's what this all comes down to. You know, the people you voted. The government's doing? That's the government's doing. That's what they did. They just fart into our mouths and want us to th- say thank you. That's what's happening. Yeah, I'm getting my use out of that little sound box. There's a Cannabis Control Commission in Massachusetts, and they're meeting, I guess it's today, technically. It's this Thursday afternoon. And they're trying to see if they can approve the, the licenses that the other companies that are trying to open shops have applied for. And they're talking about this one group. Um, talk about Norton... Arbelez, the head of the government affairs for New England Treatment Access, says his company has been working since the 2016 legalization ballot question passed. So two years ago, they've been trying, they're preparing for a launch of recreational sales in Massachusetts. And they have been given a final license to sell non-medical marijuana from its existing medical dispensary in Northampton. So they're like, we're ready to go. Like, can you just please just rubber stamp this stupid thing so we can do what we've been trying to do for the last two years? The old shim sham. So the people voted in and the governor, the people in government decide to move at a snail's pace at the speed of government uh, against the will of the voters, mind you, that wanted it in the minute they voted. So mm-hmm. they're not doing their jobs by making it happen because people voted to make it happen. They didn't vote to say, hey, why don't you dick around and, and see if you want to make it happen? It's no. Their job is to make it happen. So the fact that it's taken two years means they failed. They have been failing every year by not making that a reality. It's unbelievable. And they said, like, this company, like, they're ready to hire 100 people. Like, they got people ready to go. It's like, we need the store to be open so we can actually get these people in there and get them paid and get them working. And they always talk about how, oh, we need more jobs. We need to bring this back to America. This is right in the palm of your hands. You can, if you said, let's push this forward, let's get these places open, let's get these people working, then they could, they would, they would be able to put that on their, um, when they're running for election. They could say, look what we did. We got this people in there. We got more people working. We, we lowered unemployment. But no, 
They don't give a shit. Well, I'm not running for two more years, so I don't really give a shit right now because I got to make sure it happens closer to when I run for election so I can say I passed this. It's fucking gross. None of people give a shit about you. Always remember that. They will lie to your face every single time they talk to you. Nothing can be believed that comes out of their mouths. They're worthless. Whoever's uh, up for vote in Massachusetts, they should start really being afraid because they're not making stuff happen. Incumbent politicians are a curse. Get rid of them. Yeah. Too many goddamn people on the dole doing nothing. We keep taxes keep going up. I keep getting less and less for my fucking tax dollars. Have you noticed that? Dollar doesn't buy you anything more. It buys you a lot less. Yeah. Look so, what a hundred bucks bought you ten years ago. It gets you about twenty you know, twenty percent less now. So actually, Massachusetts is uh, has a governor vote this uh, this week. So that's a fuck that guy. Whoever's in there now, fuck him. Uh, U.S. Senate. It says um, fuck them too. Let's see. They have a yep Senate election. So there's a lot of key elections. So people should actually think twice about you know vote for your local independent. Don't be a Republican. Don't be a Democrat. Fuck them both. Well, who's getting a job done? You know, if if people aren't getting a job done and you don't hear anything about them bitching that they can't get other people to help with certain things and you look into it and it's true, then that's the person that stays. But everybody else, that's when you got to start saying, hey, you're not you're not cooperating. I don't pay them to fight with each other. I don't give a shit Republican or Democrat. I pay them. We let them to get in there and make shit happen, whether they got to work with independents, Republicans, Democrats. I don't care. That's the job. Job isn't to say, oh, I'm only supporting Republicans or I'm only supporting Democrats. The job is to work with whoever you need to work with to get the shit done that we, the voters, want to happen. When do we just get rid of all them and have some sort of online election? Because the whole point of all this representative government was for a time when we couldn't all come together and vote because we were either either illiterate or working in the fields and needed someone to represent us. And at that time, they actually cared about what their people wanted. It's like, Hey guys, I know that, you know, the grain tax has been tough on us. So I am going to fight to get rid of the grain tax. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, cool, man. I'm going to go, you know, go farm. So you go take care of that down at the Capitol. We've already voted on this. So, so Massachusetts already voted on this and they're in, a, in the position of, they are part of the bureaucracy to make, make it happen. And they're not making it happen because they don't believe it should, it, they want to go against the will of the vote. And that's, that's illegal. They should be thrown in fucking jail. Yep. But the question is, who's going to put them in jail since they're the ones who control the laws? Right. They're not throwing themselves in jail. They're not even, you know, going to deny themselves a, 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 a pay raise. So yeah, they'll, they'll probably give themselves a little bump for all their um, emotional we're doing such a good job running the government. Are you? Uh, you didn't. You didn't make this happen, and you're probably sitting on a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't meet your party or your your personal go- your um, goals. I mean, yeah, it's it's gross and annoying, and we get ourselves worked up every single week talking about these stories. So politicians forget that they are servants of the people. Exactly, they act like we are the servants of them, and it's bullshit. Yep. And this is how revolts and revolutions start. That's true. <laughs> it's messed up, but... Yep, it's going to happen. And then, then there's the bottom line of, like, can people get shit done? If they can't get stuff done, then maybe they shouldn't be in politics. Just get rid of them. Aside, you know? Yep, get rid of them. 
you can't negotiate with everybody and you can't get along with everybody, find some common ground and you're all, you're just too one-sided, then get the hell out of the way. Yeah. You know? Anyway, they're getting it. Uh, they're, they're, you know, deciding on more stuff than we are in Mexico. So next story up, we have Mexico Supreme court says ban on recreational marijuana is unconstitutional. Nice. So uh, just this past Wednesday, Mexico ruled that an absolute ban on recreational use of marijuana was unconstitutional, effectively leaving it to lawmakers to regulate the consumption of the drug themselves. So they, I guess, said nationally, uh, it's unconstitutional uphold. So it goes to the local local areas. Um, so they had two legal challenges filed against prohibition of recreational use because back in. 2015 November, uh, the Supreme Court made its first ruling to allow a group of people to grow marijuana for personal use. So, you know, between that and now, um, the government tried to make it illegal, you know, tried to, you know, prohibit it. And they said, no, they can't. So um, that's causing ripple effect now. And they're saying uh, the court ordered uh, federal health regulators to authorize people seeking the right to use marijuana to do so personally, albeit without allowing them to market it or use other narcotics or psychoactive drugs, but they're able to uh, to do that. So it's very isn't that, isn't it so funny, like with the whole thing with Trump and everyone being like pissed off at him, how Canada's like, well, I mean, Canada legalized it before Trump came into office. Are they, I think the wheels were in motion since 2015, right? Yeah. But yeah, like it's Canada's like, yeah, we're legalizing it. And Mexico's like, you know, we should probably legalize it too. I just, you know, the wheels have been in motion in this country, but everybody acts like, oh no, you know, that the, like, like the federal government is it? The federal government's had its head in the sand. Like they either come in and they say, you know, try to pass it where states can't rule themselves, which would be totally unconstitutional, or they just say we're going to step the fuck out of the way and let the states decide for themselves, and that's the way this country was meant to be. Because you can't uphold that that prohibition, you can't even do it in this country. So the fact that the federal government still says we're gonna, you know, we have the right to regulate it, I think is bullshit. Yeah, waste the money. It's tricky too, because we know when everything was written up, all the laws and the constitution. You know, how many people were there in the the United States at that time? Was there two million? Maybe was that it? I, I don't even know. I have no idea. I'm just guessing <laughs> compared to what there is now and all the differences in beliefs and, and the different kinds of Because it was just written in a way that one, you have certain jurisdictions, you know? Yeah. And the one thing that drives me crazy is, I mean, you have, you know, we don't really care about the majority anymore. It's just well, what I want. Well, it's like, well, I don't want that to be legal. So it's going to be illegal. Right. But how does it affect you at all? Like, does it really make a difference? Like if there was, this was legalized, does it really change your life? Do you, are you being forced to smoke it or forced to consume it? No, it's just, it's just there. It's like some people don't like to drink. That's fine. They don't have to go to the liquor store. We're not forcing down their throats. Yeah. It's still legal. But it's just like, so the federal government can't regulate it because it's a state issue. So you can say it's legal in the state. They can't, they can say it's illegal federally, but it, the state has the right to say legal or not legal in their state. So it's this whole state sovereignty jurisdiction fight that goes on. And it's like, you know, you think of some things that that should be probably federally mandated, like 
driving and licensing and, you know, maybe even, um, I don't know, voting, maybe everybody should vote the same way, you know, but every state has its own right to judge for itself. So why, why would they step in with marijuana the same way? You know, I I think it's, it's that schedule one classification, which, which really gives it the the score. The stigma. Yeah. And that's really all it is, is just a stigma from having it just browbeaten through our heads, through, you know, goofy stereotypes and, and reefer madness all throughout our lives that that's keeping it from, from being legalized. And I think we talked about last week, just the stigma too. They said, if it does become legalized, uh, you know, and they, people are going to believe what they're going to believe, but over time when people are actually exposed to it, I know just over the last couple of years, just talking to people, you know, just generally coworkers, friends that I never, never really like, talked about it or smoked with them. And then lately just bringing it up in conversations. It's amazing how many people are just like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'll once in a while have it or I don't really care if it's legal, you know, and it used to be so taboo. And so all all drugs are bad. I mean, some people still think that, but the majority of people are a little more nuanced and open-minded things. But there's even a lot of people that aren't for it, but are like, it's fine if somebody else wants to do it. I don't want to stop them. Not those people are fine, but it's people who are like, I think it's bad. I think it's terrible. I think it's, I think I should be able to tell everybody what to do and it's bad for them. Yeah. Really? Do you and think usually you that know? person is not crushing life. That person usually kind of sucks and right. is always, everything is a problem. This person is an asshole. This person did that to me and I should have had this and blah, blah, blah. It's never someone who's like just absolutely doing awesome and doing amazing and fulfilling their own destiny. That's like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Bunch of dicks. Bunch of dicks. Don't listen to dicks. That's really what it comes down to. People who aren't living their best lives, don't why listen to them? They're not crushing it. They're not living their dreams. Why you listen to them? They, their advice probably sucks. Yeah, they suck big dicks. And small ones. And small ones. And fat ones. And, and they complain no matter what size it is. Those are the people <laughs> who right. want to keep weed illegal. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I don't, I don't want to eat, you know... Donuts every day, but if you want to eat donuts every day, go crush it. Dude, we're not, we're not trying to ban donuts, right? <laughs> well, cigarettes are like that too. Like, hey, I don't care if somebody smokes. I just don't want them to smoke around me. Yeah. Do I care if they smoke and they're in my family? Yeah, I say something to them, but I can't like forcibly stop them. You know, what am I going to do? Lock them but in jail also, because they're smoking, you know? There's also never been any evidence that people who smoke cigarettes, you know, it cures any sort of... Uh, you know, ailments or glaucoma or any other problems, you know, there's, there's zero cases of that. We know it just happened when they banned skiing and snowboarding. What next? What next, Brian? That's true. That's true. I will lose my shit. Yeah. They came for the weed and I said nothing because I was not a weed smoker. Then they They came for the weed. My skis in 2010. Then they came for the booze and I said nothing. So I wasn't a boozer. And then they came for my skis and there was no one else to whatever that quote goes. You know how it is. Let's go to ski news. First up, this was a very informative and fun article from the good folks at powder magazine. And the title is how to tune your skis at home. 
Mm-hmm. That's the first, that's the sign of the start of the season when you do the tune. It seems like a very daunting task, but this article kind of gives you a nice little walkthrough of all the tools you're going to need, how to do it. And it even has a really awesome link to a, uh, the Doug Coombs patented quick and painless tune, the Q and P. And there's a video of him, you know, going through it while he was still alive and when he was uh, out in Jackson. And it's it's a really fun video to watch and it shows him going through it and has a breakdown of all the tools that he used and, you know, the modern versions of it and how you can do it. And you know what? I've always been, you know, I know, Mario, you've kind of done a little bit of of tuning on your own, right? We did them together one, one year. We uh, It was kind of a fix-up and we did like a mild tune. Yeah, it was a mild tune, a little quick, quick and dirty. And I'm always a little hesitant, you know, the first time doing it. But I have an older pair of skis, probably like, a, like I'd call them, I guess, my rock skis now. I think I might just do it with those and just just to practice. Because you know what? You know, our buddy Nick, he always talks about just how how like cathartic and soothing it is when he yeah. does his tuning. Well, and you like, know your equipment. You see it. You touch it. Like, you fix it. Like, you know the shit that you did to make the skis look like they are. And when you're tuning them, you're like, oh, wow, that's what I did to them. You know what I mean? Like you can see it for yourself. Yeah. And you know, the dudes at the ski shop, you know, they're great, but they don't really care about your skis as much as you're going to. You know, like when automated you, now. Yeah. They send them through that machine, right? Dude, Killington has that huge machine. They all, all the big shops have that machine and it's, it's freaking phenomenal. It's just, you put it in there. It's like right there. Yeah. It does a nice job, but you know, it's just like when you go for a car wash, you know, you go to the car wash, it does a great job but it's never going to do the same job as if you were to hand wash it yourself. You know, you always do more thorough. You're always able to focus a little more on some of the problem areas. And put it this way. I watched the, um, the Michaela Schiffer, movie on, on Red Bull TV. And it was, it was talking about her before she went to the Olympics and, you know, just her day to day and stuff. And she was going around and saying like how thankful she is and appreciative of all the people that work with her and how close they are because they're working together so close every day. And she said specifically, she called out the person that tunes her skis or her ski person. And she's like, this is probably the most important person on my, on my, you know, to me on my team, they hand do my skis every day to the certain, you know, custom, you know, to the conditions and to how she likes them. And it's a really important thing. I mean, that's why, you know, the top pro athletes have somebody hand tune their skis. You know, there's something to it, you know, in yeah. art form. Well, it's like a mechanic too. You know, when you have those, you know, the, the, the formula one crews, you know, the guys who are doing the maintenance and the tuning up of the cars, you know, they're, they're worth their weight in gold because you know, whatever, as much skills you have driving those, you still need the person to maintain the machinery. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a super important job. And, you know, again, it's, but it's something you're doing with your hands, something tangible, something you can feel and touch and, and be responsible for. It's, it's a cool thing. So, you know, I want to get more into doing this kind of thing. So. So do you have a set of stuff? I have a horse. I have the table. Like I got, uh, when I was helping my father-in-law move this past summer, he gave me some, uh, he had the, you know, for the table. The, the the horse set up. So I have that, nice. but I got to get the clamps. I, I'm just going to buy a freaking kit or I don't know, maybe yeah, follow powders. I have everything you need. And then the wax, you just got to kind of go by the conditions you're going to be in. Right now. I wonder too, you know, because we, the season starting up, there's all these articles coming out uh, or all these ads from, for DPS for that phantom, 
that phantom wax they have they have the 2.0 version out now and i wonder i'm you know i haven't read too many reviews on it i know we've discussed it in depth our thoughts on it but i wonder how that's going to hold up yeah i I wonder if it's gonna if it's gonna work and make a difference it's possible it might but it may also suck i don't know i don't know I mean, obviously, it's not going to fix any, you know, gouges and scrapes. And I looked up Phantom Wax, and you know, the first thing that came up was European Waxing Center. Hello. <laughs> they use Phantom Wax too. Wow. They, they just good. probably bought all those, like, uh, those Google ads, all the terms. Anything but wax. Like, I'm waxing my skis, and I go to this place, and they tell me to take my clothes off and lay down. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with my skis? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> Well, the best thing is like, so they have the kits, right? And they have the nice iron. Like the, you know, the, the link you have has that, that cool iron. And it's funny, like yeah. to me, like the ghetto way to do it is you get an old iron that you're not using anymore. And use that with the fucking, at the steam setting. <laughs> that's using what, that. that's what, when you read the powder article, if you go to the comments at the bottom, that's one of the, the tips that someone left is yeah. go to a thrift shop and get a, a non-steam iron. Yeah. I mean, you shut the steam off, empty out the water, pour it. I would say almost like you could almost cover it with uh, tin foil because what happens is you get the holes. So when I'm doing it, the holes for the steam actually suck in the wax as you're going through. So it kind of leaves like a little suction thing. You got to do it really quick over and have a hot iron and it's kind of work. So you get used to it. And then it's like curved. You know what I mean? So you got to be careful when you're going through that you hold it perfectly flat because it's curved. Whereas right. this one's like a rectangle shape. So if you're holding on an angle, it's still going to hold that same edge on the, uh, on the flat surface. So yeah, there's some things to think about, but the old ghetto iron is the way to go for me. That means it's real. Ha, I like that. Yeah. If you can get the, if you get, you know, if you want to spring for the economy iron, then uh, go right ahead. I would, I would say the economy iron is good if you can get it secondhand. Then that that that's legit. I'm thinking about rolling out to Goodwill tomorrow and trying to uh, to pick something like that up. Oh, you probably get uh, an iron at Goodwill. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I need to get some. I need to go. I need to go a little ghetto these days. Well, look at your iron now. Is your iron? Do you have an iron? Is I've uh, listen. Condition. You've seen the way I dress. <laughs> I have an iron. I don't use said iron. Like I, I roll. I mean, that's why I like roll like, like wearing like flannel shirts and jeans. Well, I'm use that iron. And if you need one, go out and buy one later. But the thing is, we got a baller iron. We got married. It was like on oh. our like on our list. You know, like the whatever the registry thing. Well, you I, might as well. It, it's a paperweight. It's right like now. it's like a Rowenta. I think is that what they're called? Like that's yeah, one of the nice good. ones. It's yep. it's freaking baller. I'm not using my baller iron that I never oh. use. I'm even too cheap to afford a Rowenta for my my own iron. I have like a Black and Decker. You gotta put you need registry, my man. You put <laughs> no, all kinds of crap just, on it. It's in the rotation of once it sits there long enough, it becomes a new ski iron. <laughs> yeah, that's the, well. I remember your old one. Yeah, I remember you had like you had like written on there like not for clothes. Not for, yeah, yeah. I wrote on it. That's a good tip too. Write on it in marker because you you may forget or somebody you know rummaging through might be like, oh, this is an iron. I'll use it, and then you're gonna have like ski wax all over your clothes. It's yeah, you don't want to do that. It's not a good look. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm reading this article and I'm looking at the comments and I, I love, like, I love the people's just like brutal honesty, man. But like this piece is little more than a placement for the advertised products. Like yeah. they're just like <laughs> pissed off. Like this is just Zwick, just advertising for you guys. And you're putting this out there. Is that as well, a real there's article? No instruction on it. There's no video. There's no directions on it. Well, you got to watch the Doug Coombs video. It's actually yeah. pretty awesome. I mean, again, it's, it's old, so it's really grainy. But it's uh, it's just it's beautiful watching someone who's such an amazing skier, just watching them kind of doing their own thing and, and doing a quick little tune on their skis. I love What's to find funny, a really so good tuning video. I think awesome. Nick should make one. Nick, you're listening to it. I know you're listening to this. Can you make us a video, a tune, okay. your tuning video? We'll post it. We'll great. put it. Yeah, we'll post it. Absolutely. We do a whole. Uh, we could do an episode on that. We'll do like a. Like you just give us the raw footage and I'll edit it and make it all like sexy. Like, yeah, that'd be cool. Right. Yeah. But I know he's like, he's a, he's one of the most thorough people I know. And he, when he does something like this, he does it absolutely perfect. Well, it's funny. So like, um, you know, you hear a lot of people that ski a lot and they know how to tune their own skis and they've done it. Even if they don't do it all the time, they've done it. And you know, you, you pick and choose. Like there are some times when, it's easier just to drop it off. You know, you don't want to set it up and it's nice to do it once in a while because it's kind of more relaxing. Like you, it's a different, you know, attitude with it. Um, same thing with my bike. Like, you know, people that ride bike a lot, they know how to service a bike, you know, just because they're riding a bike all the time doesn't mean they know they don't know how to fix it. They might take it to the shop all the time because, you know, you don't want to mess with it. There's people that know better and you can fumble to get by, but you take your time, you know, it's nice to know the workings of your equipment, you know, just like anything. It's a huge difference. I know, you know, even just driving a car, like if you know how to change a tire, like you're ahead of the game because something yeah. does happen. You can do it yourself. You, know, like, you tuned up your own car before, right? I still, I still, but. you know, I still change my oil. I've got my 12 year old Subaru. I changed at the gas pedal a few months ago. I still change my oil. I put in new headlights last year. Like I, I don't mind messing Not around. Possible. It's well, so much easier now too with YouTube. It, that's how directions. I, that's what I, for the headlights and for the gas pedal, I, I did research and I was able to do it myself. And I was like, and you know what? The sense of accomplishment you feel too, when you're able to do it yourself and turn a wrench, you know, it's so much more satisfying than anything you will do, you know, writing something on your computer or typing something or, you know, like I do a lot of like Photoshop and, and art stuff on the computer. And that's fun and all, but it's not as nearly as satisfying as something tangible you did with your hands. Yeah. Plus, if you were to take it to a shop, you're going to pay probably like 200 bucks to get them to do something like that. Because You're not getting the quality. You're not getting the care. I mean, but that's just it. You got to pay somebody to do it. So now you're the person doing it. So you're saving all that money and you're getting some satisfaction out of it, you know? Developing a skill, getting, yeah, satisfaction. You do it on your own schedule. Oh, yeah. And use the right, use the exact kind of, you know, wax and you get, you get the groove the way you want it. Like you can really customize it to exactly how you want it to be. That can optimize your performance and your day and your season. You know, isn't that what we're all here for to have like the most fun possible? Yeah. It, it was every year and I may still do it this year, even though I'm not going skiing as much, I still may do it because I am going to take my skis on vacation. Um, so I may, I may tune them up. The only problem I had was one year I got a little bit lazy and I thought, Hey, you know, it's a good idea. I'm just going to leave the wax on and not scrape it off. And then the snow actually scrape it off for me. Bad idea. So all mm -hmm. I did was just flop around and I had to get a scraper on the, on the mountain. 
and scrape it off. And then it, it was, I was able to turn, but picture not being able to turn on your skis. It was terrifying. Yeah, that's rough. I know uh, the last time I used my Nordicas last year, because the last time we skied, I had my my other skis, my Black Crows. And the last time I was on my Nordicas, I'm like, these things are just craving a tune. And yeah. You Oh yeah, you can really tell. I mean, when you're when you're still a newbie and you're not doing that much skiing, it's it's a little bit tougher. But you know, once you get a little more experienced, you really can you can you can feel it, you can see it, and uh, you know, just t- your hand just touching it, you're like, oh, this feels dry. This feels like it needs something. Yeah. And then when you get a fresh tune, that's a little dangerous too, because now you start catching it. Uh, you really start catching that edge, and it's like. Ooh, I'm not used to that. I'm used to sliding a little bit more. You know? I thought it's almost better to do it right at the beginning of the season, you know, right when you're starting up because, you know, you're kind of been off the skis for a few months and you're like, all right, you know, bring this on and you're you're kind of rolling on a freshly tuned pair of skis where you're, when you're getting warmed up too. So you're uh, you're able to to break into them a little bit easier. Break them in a little, yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to, you know what? I may drink this whole bottle of whiskey and then start buying some stuff online. Dude, you know what? People... Man. People say you shouldn't drink and buy stuff. No, it's absolutely incorrect. There's so many things that you know you want that you need that can make your life better, and you're only going to do it if you set yourself free. And sometimes whiskey is what can set you free. So, you don't buy it today, you'll be one day older when you do. Boom! Right? Because uh, you know you're going to buy it tomorrow if you don't. Can you follow that up? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go to Goodwill and I'll get my iron. I'll buy everything else. There you go. Or spring for the new one. You treat yourself. You deserve it. You no, work I hard. Do you see how much? Do you know how much swag I've bought recently? <laughs> you work hard. Oh, you, work hard. you deserve it, man. I don't work hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So next up, we got a video on Vimeo uh, from Tanner Hall. He actually posted out um, this pretty cool video. Um, it is how long is this? It's kind of his like he does a movie pretty much every year. So technically, I guess it's it's actually his movie for the year. Yeah, and it's kind of like a bunch of mini movies together, and right. it's pretty cool footage. Um, I gotta say, I watched it just before we podcasted today, and it was pretty neat. Um, so they're in location on in Montana, California, Sweden, and Alaska. Um, this was actually winner of the best short film. Um, at the IF3 Film Festival. Um, let's see, best male free ride segments. So it was, you know, it won some awards and uh, the music is really cool and uh, the footage is pretty, pretty neat. They do even like a nice little storyline with it. It's pretty, pretty cool. So I would Tanner say Hall, he's just definitely he, worth a, a, a watch. He's just such a badass. Like he's so great. Yeah. I mean, the one we watched a couple of years ago, that was probably my favorite one of his movies. Um, we talked about it when we were interviewing Robert a couple weeks ago. I forget yeah. the name of it. When they got stuck in that avalanche or that, um, that big snowstorm and yeah. they were like and camping out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Bring the alarm. That Bring one. Yeah. That one was great. And last year was the one triumph where he was going to talk about the injury. And when he, he did that, that same jump that he'd done like 10 years before and like blew out his leg. So he always does like really interesting movies and you know, they're always, they're always shorter films, but they're always really cool. Crazy thing about this year's one though. I mean, it's, I guess it's not crazy or weird. It's just timing wise. You know, he got dropped by Oakley just a few weeks ago. Okay. As they, they dropped his sponsorship and, you know, he's always rocking an Oakley something in these, uh, in these movies, you know, I guess with time, that's what always happens. But, People you know, right? listen, Tanner, he is the ski boss. He is a six gear. He's got his weed company. He doesn't need 
he really doesn't need these sponsors. Armada is going to stick with him forever unless they're stupid. So yeah. he's going to be, he's going to be set for life. He's always going to have great movies. He's always going to be an amazing skier. He, uh, he's just a fun dude, man. Like he's one of those people who's just living life, you know, by his own rules. And, you know, we should, we could, we should all be more like him. Be more like Tanner. I wish he, you know, we should reach out to him. Maybe, maybe he'll, uh, he'll talk to us about his, his attitude. I was watching some interview with him. He's out in park city and he was just, uh, I forget who he was talking to, but he was, he was hysterical. He's like just so funny and chill. Nice. And just, I mean, just a sick skier too. I mean, you know, it's like the ultimate understatement, but it's, uh, he's just always a pleasure to watch. Doing his thing. Doesn't seem like he's, you know, kind of out of anybody. He's just living the dream, man. He really is. You know, that, that saying gets thrown around a lot, but he, he is living proof. Awesome. All right. Next on up on the list, y'all. Well, we can move that to the main topic. Let's say that's the main topic. Yeah. You take the Michaela one then. Since you, uh, you read a little more about that. Oh, oh, I didn't put the link on there. Yeah. All right. So next up there was, um, there was an interview with Michaela Schifrin who, um, now I guess they did a combined interview with Roger Federer where she got to meet him, um, which she actually, she's a huge fan of Roger Federer and just like the way he's managed his career and, and just, just a fan of his. So it was actually, um, she said she was nervous meeting him, which was pretty cute. And, uh, it was funny. She's like, if you watch the interview in the interview, like she's holding his hand and she's like, okay, and I'm going to stop holding your hand. (laughs) Uh, but it was cute. You know, Roger Federer is a nice guy. Like he's, he, um, they made the champagne modeled after him that went to charity that sales. Remember they, we covered that. Oh one. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the, uh, I forgot what they call it, a champion, uh, champagne or something like that. Wasn't uh, it like a ridiculous amount? Oh, it was insane, but it all went to charity and, uh, it was pretty cool. So she got to meet him. Um, but then in addition to that, she, um, got, she earned her spot on the Maxim, uh, 100, um, which is, you know, if anybody doesn't know Maxim Magazine, they do, uh, it's like a bikini shoot with, um, you know, top athletes and celebrities and superstars that um, they put in the Maxim 100 top hottest uh, people. So she was asked to do that. Now, to ma- she manages her own image and she decided, you know, she went through a lot of um, self, dis- you know, self-discussion about it, but she decided to pose in the magazine wearing her Olympic jacket and her medals. So it was just one of those things where she says she doesn't want to be objectified. You know, she's honored to be in the magazine, but that was her choice to pose that way. She, she thought that was, that says uh, who she is, you know? So I think it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's so easy to be, she's just not wearing a bikini. She's, she's, she's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really easy for, you know, a young person to be not manipulated, but to, uh, to be coerced into doing something that's against their will. You know, at that age, it's, it's, it's tough to have the confidence and the guts to go, listen, I'm not doing this. This is what I feel comfortable about. But to ha- for her to stand up for herself that way, 
you know, and be like, you know, what? I'll be part of your thing. And thank you. I appreciate it. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to dress the way you guys want me to. I'm going to dress the way what works for me in my sport and what represents who I am. Yeah. And that's, she has lines that she won't cross and she knows it, which is good. She spoke up and she's doing what she wants. I said for a young woman to do that, that, that takes, that takes guts, you know, and you know, everyone wants to think that we're equal in this world, but for the most part, you know, it is still mostly dudes who run things like this. Uh, and I give her a ton of credit for sticking to her guns and being like, you're not going to, you know, use me and, and put me in this situation. I'm happy to, again, I'm, I'm, I'm playing along with you guys. Like I'm happy. I'm honored to be on your list, but uh, we're doing it my way. And I'm like, yeah. good for you, Michaela. That's awesome. It's great. You know, what, and one of the things, like I said, I saw the, um, that Red Bull um, movie with her. It was, you know, for her at such a young age, cause I think, what is she now? 22, 20, 22, something like that. Um, I think so. Yeah. She is like, she has the maturity level and commitment of like somebody, you know, much more seasoned and, and experienced than her. Um, oh, yeah. It's just, it's amazing to see. And it's, it's really awe-inspiring to see somebody with such a clear head. Uh, I kind of, you know, you kind of feel bad for her because she has a lot on her plate, but she's got like such a maturity level. And apparently she, you know, it, it shows in the people she surrounds herself with too. Like she surrounds herself. I think her mom's her coach and uh, she has good people around her giving her good advice and helping her out, which is, uh, it's really good to see, you know? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's great when you can all come up together and work together and succeed together. I think her parents are separated. I think I, I remember from, you know, watching some of the events and seeing them in different spots, right. but um, I think they're both, you know, obviously big influences in her lives and still, you know, working with her, which is great. But yeah, it's uh, it's she really is someone that young women can look up to and and be really inspired by. Not just skiers, but also just you know being strong, being confident, and sticking to your guns and and doing what works for you. Yeah. So good on you, Michaela. All right, and that's going to lead us into our main topic. And this one, we're doing a bit of a a little of a a jazz move here. We had something else planned, but unfortunately it didn't work out. So we're going to talk about an article that was on Ski Diva's website, which is the skidiva.com. And this was, uh, this was posted on the 30th, so a couple days ago. And it's an interesting thing to talk about. And it's called October Skiing, Is It Worth It? And it's interesting because, you know, the last couple of weeks, all the news articles have been, oh, Killington is opening and A-Basin is opening and Wolf Creek is opening. And we're all, you know, as skiers, we're so excited. And people when post on Instagram, oh, I got my first tracks in today. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. And, you know, we've had people reach out to us and like, oh, yeah, we're hitting up, you know, we're hitting up A-Basin on the first day. And, it's, and we're all just so excited just to get out and ski and to board and to do what we love the most. And I get it, you know, like I've never skied in October. I've never made the effort. Part of me is pissed off at myself for doing that. And then, you know, this article does bring up a couple of really good points too. And they're like, you know, the we want to do it, but is it worth it? Does it make, does it make, the is it worth the taking the time? Is it worth the possibility of imagine your first day out there is October 22nd 
you're psyched, you got your skis, get your gear, make a few turns, second run up, say you catch a rock and you blow out your Achilles. Yeah. Like just think what about that. that. Yeah. I mean, imagine you ruined your entire season the next year of your life because you got so greedy that you went out and skied like the first possible day. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but it just it's just it's good to at least talk through the argument and uh and, and justify to- and understand and, and, and really make the right decision for you. Yeah. I think it also goes to, you know, this is when you start getting really in touch. If you do have the opportunity to go in October or even November, because in November is still pretty early, you have to start thinking about like, what, what, what is your ideal of a fun ski day, right? Is it everything open, people around, a lot of terrain to ski, or just that you're skiing no matter what the conditions are? You know what I mean? Like we've gone skiing. I think we went skiing was it, I think it was December and that was the mud mixed in with the snow. It was like skiing in chocolate, chocolate moves, moves, man. Oof. It was disgusting because yeah. all you smelt was like mud. It was the weirdest, weirdest sensation, but Hey, we were there for a ski day and we're like, we're making the best of it. Uh, I wouldn't want to ski that way again. I think I actually said, if it's ever like this again, I don't think I'm going to ski that, you know? So it's kind of, you got to take that into account. Yeah. And a lot of the times too, you know, October stuff really is it's icing, it's gravy. It's, it's all just bonus stuff. And you know, if you're going out there just to do like two, three runs and then go get lunch and get a couple of beers and, and just kind of celebrate that you got out there, that's great. But if you're really trying to, you know, be one of those people trying to maximize your vert and, you know, ski as much as you can, like, I get it. I get why you'd want to do it. And I, I get, you know, the, after the long summer wanting to be out there, but it's almost the risk reward has to be analyzed at least, you know, because again, it's, it's, uh, it, it could be, uh, it could be disastrous too. If you know, these early season conditions can be really sketch. I almost think everybody should try it once in their life just to see it. You know, you want to do, it's the same thing that, you know, a lot of people that I know are like, they love spring skiing and I'm kind of like, uh, I spring skiing for me is I'll go out do a few runs. It gets too mushy and then I just, I hate it. And I want to go in, you know, like I like the dead of winter cold when it's nice and fluffy or even a little icy. I'm fine with that, but I like the, I like it cold You know, I like it cold, not worrying about melt, not worrying about, you know, no coverage. I like a lot of snow and a lot of cold. It's fine with me. Yeah. And I know, I know how I am and that's kind of why I think I, I, I bring up this, this perspective too, you know, based on this article is that I know when I'm out there, I want to ski as much as I can throughout the day. Like I want to, you know, I talked about it in the past. Like I had my frostbite a couple of years ago because it was minus 10 degrees and the place was empty and the conditions were amazing. And I said, I'm going to ski as much as I possibly can. And that's how I ended up getting the frostbite. <laughs> But you know, I, I want to be out there as much as possible. And again, it's, I don't, I'm not on the mountain 110 days a year, you know, like I don't, the limited amount of time I get out there, I want to get out there as long as possible. I think when I have a house in the mountains and I'm able to have access to it that much, then I'd probably dial it back and be like, you know what? I'm out here for two hours. Perfect. I'll get these runs in. I'll do my thing and I'll head back. Right. And, you know, some people don't like it that cold, which, you know, early skiing and spring skiing, it works out perfect for them because then they get to ski 
it's not that cold and they get used to it. And that's kind of what they fall in love with, you know, whereas me, I love very cold day, no wind, sun out beating full and it's perfect. Keep nice and warm. If you stand still in the sun, just ride around. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The article too, it talks about just what's required, you know, it's using Killington as an example, just what's what, just what is required to get, to the runs, you know, they're talking about how superstar is just being bombarded with, you know, the snowmaking because they're trying to prepare it for the FIS women's world cup event. That's happening Thanksgiving weekend, which is, I looked at the calendar. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Oh crap. Thanksgiving is three weeks away. Yeah, I think it's as early as it can possibly be this year, the 22nd. And uh, they're talking about last year. Didn't they say they need six days to blow snow and it could be ready. That's what they're saying. Yeah. And there's, so it's not open to ride on now, but they're getting it ready. And it's tough because again, it's one of the, the further down the mountain uh, runs, you know, like lower vertical. And they're saying, so you can see that, but just to get to what's open right now at Killington, you know, you got to take the gondola up, which takes, I don't know what, 12 minutes, you think? Does that yeah. sound about right? And then you got a seven minute walk to the hiker's bridge to get to the North Ridge Triple. And you still got to walk in your boots down there to get to the, uh, the run. So it's, it's a lot of work for mediocre at best conditions. You know, again, is it worth it? Perhaps is, you know, it's, I'm not saying don't do it, but it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you need to think about if you're going to do it now this week, you know, we really didn't have too many stories about more stuff opening. You know, there was a, there was a nice little storm that kind of rolled through and I think parts of Montana, Colorado, um, I think even Wyoming and Utah got almost a foot in some spots, but I know in the Northeast, at least it's turned warm and it's going to dump rain the next two days. So, you know, all that snowmaking, all that great terrain, all that, that, that hype and build up for those couple days that you got, it's all washed out and they're all starting from scratch. So, you know, again, we're not running the mountain, so we don't feel the hit, but financially that's gotta be kind of a, a, a dump for, you know, the mountains, you know, if they're putting all that money into snowmaking, they're getting everything fired up. They're getting the lodges run, running, they're getting people in there. They're getting lifties. That's a big expense and they have to shut that back down and then restart it up again. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And, you know, is it worth it to them? Cause those, those expenses get passed down to us. So it's, well, like she actually writes too about the, um, what they call the white ribbon of death. So it's that narrow man-made trail where basically you're squishing anybody that's on there on a very narrow piece of, and sometimes it's not fully covered. There's like little spots where you're trying to stop and jump around and ski around. So it's kind of, it's kind of a wild card when you're going down. The one good thing is that most people who are going to be out there in October are hardcore and know how to ski. Yeah. So it isn't like Christmas week where it's just general Great chaos learning. in every direction. Yeah. That's true. A lot of people that don't aren't hardcore skiers aren't even thinking about skiing. Like if you're a recreational skier, I'm sure you're not even thinking about like nobody's skiing until like after Christmas, right? That's what most people, that's what they say. Yeah. Most people don't, uh, don't think about skiing until after Christmas. Yeah. Which, uh, 
That's why I'm saying that those two weeks before Christmas are some of the best weeks of the season because there's just that excitement of the holiday season, the excitement of, of the, this, the real, you know, heart of the ski season starting up and the conditions are, can again, weather permitting can be absolutely amazing. Everything's got like a fresh coat of paint on it. You know, the restaurants, the, the lodges, the gondolas, the lifts, everything is like as pristine as it's going to be throughout the year. Yeah. I think one of the things we've seen too, going to, um, whether it's our local mountain, you know, Killington or Mount Snow or just visiting, it seems that the perception is if it's not snowing where the people are coming from, like the New York metro area, uh, they don't think about going up to ski in Vermont, which is four hours away, even though it might be snowing over there. You know what I mean? So the general consensus is like, oh yeah, I'm not going skiing. There's no snow. Like if it's, if it's really warm in New York, New Jersey area, people aren't generally saying, oh, let's go up to Killington and go skiing. Like it's out of sight, out of mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas we've been there years where there's no snow. It's like absolutely nothing home. And then you drive up to Killington and they got pounded with snow. It's like, ah, oh, great. We get to, you know, hang out at the ski house. There's nobody here on the mountain. And it's like, yeah, nobody's even thinking about it because it doesn't hit their mind because it's not in there. You know, they're not dealing with it. I still think about that December of 2015 and just how Man. awful, how awful, no, that was the awful year. Oh, that was the awful year. That was the year where Superstar, the week, the Friday before Christmas, so Christmas was on a Friday that year, I remember, in the week before, there was no snow on the entire Superstar run the week before Christmas. That was our beer hunting. We just decided that was, yeah, we, you know what? We made the best of it. We found a lemonade. We, we, we totally did. That was the year we had how many, like I think four, four cases each and bunches of growlers and Hill Farmstead, Sip of Sunshine, Heady Topper. It was oh crazy. God. There was so much beer. The Burlington, Ben Jerry's, like we went everywhere. That could have been an amazing ski trip, but yeah, it just, there was just not enough snow. I mean, we, there was, went to Smugs and we got a couple of runs in up there, but you know, again, we made the best of it. We found other things to do. We had fun. Would have been better if we had two feet of snow. Sure. But I think we were like one of four people on the mountain at Smugglers. That was the one nice thing about it. I think there was, I think there was six people total, like not even strange. joking. Yeah, it was cool. But it was strange. We're on the lift strange. and everything. It was just. Remember we like tried to get off, like you had that one weird lift where you kind of had to like get off at the top and it looped around and we didn't get off. Just sitting on it. We're we're, like, we're, we're, we're new here. <laughs> Jersey's here. Got last. He's like, yep, yeah, people do that all the time. Yeah. He's like, well, luckily no one's here. So it's not going to matter if I stop this thing for you guys. Yeah. Throw her in reverse. But nobody's cursing you. We'll just reverse this thing. <laughs> yeah. That was so bizarre how few people were there. Yeah. That was weird. But yeah. But if you can uh, get out there midweek in December and it's good conditions, oh, it's, it's the best thing. It's like, it's, the, it's really the, year. it's the Christmas gift to yourself is what it is. You just got to look at the conditions up at the mountain because that one year was freaking awesome. Everything was covered in December. We, we were doing trees in December. That was the year before. That was 2014. Yeah. Before it's crazy. I does, And that's why we booked it. You know, we did it again the year after, but I remember that yeah, Christmas must've been on a Thursday that year before 2014. And I remember being up there that Saturday and just, I mean, there was, it was for a Saturday, it was dead and the conditions were great. Yeah. It was so much fun. Like we had the mountain, not to ourselves, but I mean, we barely waited in line anywhere and it was, it was amazing out because again, in December, people are either Christmas shopping or going to parties all the weekends. Like, 
if you can cut those people out of your life or tell them, listen, we'll party in, we'll party in April. I'll see you in April. Right. You know, we'll, we'll have a Kentucky Derby party in, uh, you know, in May. I'll be there for that. Dude, we're skiing full day. I think we skied eight out of the 10 days. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah we did a trip to Stowe. We got some heady. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was nice... the, uh, the three dinner um, week. We're having yes. three dinners the one night. And I Double was like, nachos. Oh, yeah. Do I have a, a tapeworm? Double nacho night, yeah. Double nachos, you had double nachos. And yeah. twin twin barrel nachos shooting shooting goes on. <laughs> twin barrel nachos. <laughs> one pork, right one hand chicken. and left hand nachos. <laughs> God, I'm I'm making chili tomorrow and I'm thinking about doing like chili nachos the next day. I'm like nice. so excited. Yeah. Dude, that's easy to do. You just chuck them on, put the cheese on. So easy. Mm. So easy. Even a ski bump can do it. Even a ski bump can do it. Yeah. So again, you know, we're in November now and October's passed. So these are all, but this is something to think about, you know, again, it it is super exciting. It is super fun, but make sure you, you kind of temper your expectations. That's one of the big things. Uh, So if you can do that, if you could have the right gear getting out there, the right skis, the right, I mean, attitude is the most important thing. And then, yeah. then the gear is a second. If you can go out there and have and know what you want to do and, and get out of it what you can, and then just go back to uh, to getting ready and not hurting yourself, then go for it, man. Make October happen. I say since, um, you know, Halloween hits, like for me, Halloween is always the kickoff of the season because our ski club always has the big Halloween party. So that was always, oh, you meet all the people up and everybody's talking about trips and it's like, Holy crap, I got a book. I got I to do all this stuff. I got to start getting in shape. So now's the time because, you know, if you don't make reservations now, later on, you might not be able to. So, you know what I, we always say? I always say, like, Halloween is our Memorial Day. Yeah, it is. You know? It's the kickoff, man. The siren's going off. Time, True. Time to step up. That's right. So, we're going to link in the show notes on the website to this article from the ski diva.com and take a look. And if you want to hit us up with comments, you can do so at ski podcast at gmail.com or any of us, any of our, uh, our socials, which is at ski podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Under the ropes. First off, this is for all of our game of Thrones fans of which Mario and I both are. And this was Melanie, who's who's we've gotten involved in this. Shout out to Melanie. <laughs> this is well, an ex- cursed her with having to binge watch it now. This is an exclusive that came out yesterday. HBO has set Josh Whitehouse to a lead role in HBO's Game of Thrones prequel pilot from writer Jane Goldman and author Game of Thrones co-executive producer George R. R. Martin. That has Naomi Watts heading a fast-forming ensemble cast. The storyline and roles are being kept close to the vest at HBO, which would not comment. But the untitled prequel takes place thousands of years before the events of Game of Thrones. It chronicles the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. And only one thing is for sure, from the horrifying secrets of Westeros' history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East to the Starks of legend. It's not the story we think we know. Nice. I know a lot of us are, are excited about the next season, but also concerned about it ending. This, um, 
this, if this works out, this could set up Game of Thrones or whatever they want to call it, the Song of Ice and Fire, to be a continuum of stories forever. I mean, think about it. If this is taking place thousands of years before the current show takes place, this could just go on forever. Oh, yeah. Like, this could be an entire like alternate reality that they're building that we could be living in. Once they get to like augmented reality and virtual reality, we could just move to Westeros pretty much. Pretty much. I think... Uh, yeah, I'm interested in this because I read a book and it talked about like all the areas of Westeros, all the lands. And uh, I'm wondering if this is kind of going to that because it does a lot more explanation of everything before Game of Thrones starts. It's weird how this George R. R. Martin just decided to stop writing the new books and just start writing old stuff. He's got a transition, you know? I mean... Well, he never finished the goddamn other books. He's like, well, the move, the show has jumped ahead. The books, we're just going to give you the cliff notes. This is it. Why read? Why finish the books? You're just going to want to watch this anyway. Yeah, I think though, like, so to kind of um, to set up the you know Game of Thrones, you actually have to do all the character development, all the background for it. So he probably had those written, maybe not 100 percent. But um, he probably had the ideas there because he had to sell the idea and the background of here's how everybody got to where they were. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot to develop. I would imagine it's uh, pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, but it's like he's not even trying to focus on just finishing the story. He's just writing all these like weird compendiums and and other books. Yeah, there's one coming out called Blood and Fire coming out in this month well he's getting up there in age so yeah he's like 70 something yeah it doesn't look like the healthiest guy either okay the one that it was was okay so there's the pro it's called the world of ice and fire the untold history of westeros and the game of thrones oh nice okay so the idea is it is i'll send you this link we include in the show notes but the idea is that this is, it's told from the maester's point of view uh, up into the point of, here's the history, up until the point of where Game of Thrones starts. It was a very well-written book. It was, it was pretty big. It's 21 hours on Audible. Oof. So, <laughs> yeah. That's a monster. Like, he keeps cranking all this stuff out. It's like, can't you just finish this goddamn series that you already started? I know. I think he has other writers working with him because I think, you know, it, it sounds cruel, but, you know, he's up there in age and I don't think he's in great health and people are like, well, if he isn't around to write the rest of it, what's going to happen? You know, who's going to take it over? So I think he has people shadowing him and working with him because even this one, The World Eyes of Fire was, um, there's like two other authors that wrote it with him. So I imagine, you know, he can kind of teach them his style and they can carry on from there. So that Fire and Blood book that's coming out, this is coming out on November 20th. This is 26 hours. And listen to this. It is 300 years before A Game of Thrones, a Targaryen history. Oh. The thrilling history of the Targaryens comes to life in this masterly work by the author of A Song of Ice and Fire, the inspiration for HBO's Game of Thrones. 
with all the fire and fury fans have come to expect from internationally best-selling author George R. R. Martin. This is the first volume of the definitive two-part history of the Targaryens in Westeros. Jesus fucking Christ. This guy writes so much. He can't finish his own goddamn story. He's making all these like compendiums and, and like, uh, like bibliographies to all the stories he's writing. Wow. This is a 23 hour audiobook. 26 hour audiobook. That's incredible. Yes, this is so, absolutely mental. So then the other mini one that I read was only 10 hours long, and that was another prequel. It was the, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. I just sent you that one too. And that one is, I guess that's the Duncan Egg. Yeah. So it's before Tyrion Lannister, there's Duncan Egg, and he was like. Because he references them, right? And like talking about a story or something? Right. He, he was like the original Egon Targaryen. Okay. So, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Like, is, and I think that one talks about how Robert Baratheon starts the rebellion and stuff like that. Okay. Some of the key elements that were in that. So it seems that if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you're upset about the story ending next year, the, the show on HBO, there is so much other material out there that we are going to have some sort of Game of Thrones show probably for the rest of our lives. Hey, if you want to read, read these prequels. Those are already out there. I mean, they're big books. If you're reading them, like the actual book, I imagine that 20-hour book and then one that's coming out, they're like probably the size of like a Harry Potter, like a gigantic one. They're pretty big, yeah. You know? So that'll keep you busy until Game of Thrones comes out and you'll learn a little bit more about the story. Yeah. So plenty of other Game of Thrones stuff out there. Good read. And George R. R. Martin, join a gym, please. Eat some kale. Join a gym. Go skiing. Just no, keep... they got to keep him around. <laughs> I wonder how much of this he has written, though, like on notes or like has the concept for. Like it's, it's weird. You wonder, like he probably has some, some notes that he's been taking for years. Like the, the concept must have been developed for years. Years and years, you know. Can't they like upload his brain or something and like put into like uh, Michael Phelps's body so yeah. they can kind of keep this uh, these things running? Well, like when you start reading these other books, you're like, holy crap! That this guy must have spent like years developing all this and like tying things together so they actually match up and they actually make sense as as it pertains to like the current Game of Thrones that's going on and you know, or the Game of Thrones was like the end of like this whole big story he started writing. You know, he might have started with the other stuff, but he sold the Game of Thrones story, you know? That's true, yeah. I but mean, it's all kind of tied in together. That's the thing. Yeah. But Crazy. Pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. All right, so next up for Under the Ropes, we're going to go to Antarctica. So there was a Russian researcher that stabbed a colleague in the heart for giving away book endings in, his first, in the first known attempted murder on the continent of Antarctica. So, um, that's not penguin related. Everybody hates a spoiler, but Russian scientist Sergei uh, Savitsky like really hates them. Uh, so much he stabbed his colleague in the heart uh, for revealing one too many book endings as they worked together at Russia's uh, Bellinghausen Research Station on King George Island in Antarctica. So I guess they didn't really have a lot to do there. Um, 
Their Russian news agency is calling the incident results of tensions in a confined space. So kind of like they were going a little bit nutty. So I guess the one guy probably read the books before this other guy and started giving away the endings and he just had enough of it. He's like, you spoil one more. I'm going to, I could hear it now. You, you spoil one more book and I'm going to stab you. And that's what he did. So, uh, <laughs> Oleg apparently passed long cold hours at the station, curled up with a book, good book when not hard at work. But Belgozov had a game of his own that eventually secured him uh, an emergency flight to a hospital in Chile with a knife in his heart, revealing the endings to books that Zavitsky was reading. So, hey, he wanted to be a dick. He, he got he got some payback. So uh, this is the presumably friendship ending stabbing, uh, which who knows? I mean, they still could be friends. They could be like, man, my bad. I, I didn't mean to ruin that ending for you. I was being kind of a dick, but bro, I know it now. Yeah, bro. Sorry. Sorry, comrade. <laughs> Sorry, comrade. Uh, so Belgozov is expected to recover and Savitsky is under house arrest following the charges. So, uh, apparently this what do you is, mean igloo arrest? Come on. Yeah. So they're saying though, with this charge, it's believed to be the first attempted murder charge to be filed from Antarctica, according to, um, according to the newspapers, the UK daily record. So, very interesting. He actually made the uh, record books. I wonder if this guy was just like trying to like out alpha him and was just like messing with him. Yeah. And it would be even better if he was like telling like fake, fake <laughs> endings. He's just, just making stuff you, up. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just saying the wrong stuff. You know what it is though? The guy probably ruined a few endings and the, and the other guy's reading. And he's like, this motherfucker ruins one more ending. I'm going to stab his ass. He's like reading like uh, Lord of the Rings. You it's know, he's like, reading like this. this shit. He's like reading Return of the King and he's like, like, I cannot believe Frotto jumps in Volcano. <laughs> it's like telling him the wrong things. Oh, fucker, you just like stabbing him. <laughs> I wonder if he said to him, I'm going to stab you if you tell me another goddamn thing. <laughs> Would have been better if he's like, he beat him with a book. <laughs> Made him eat the whole book. Yeah. Tied him up like, uh, what was that? Uh, misery. Tied him misery, up like misery. Yeah. Freaking made him eat the book. This is what you get for a ruining ending and make you eat book. Well, you look at the pictures of the two of them. The guy who did the stabbing looks like the guy who would do the stabbing. And the guy who told the endings looks like the guy who would tell the endings. Smug little know-it-all that deserves to get stabbed, right? Yeah. Like, I totally saw that movie, bro. This is what happens. Oh, you'll love it at the end when they destroy the Death Star. Yeah. Thanks, Dick. Oh, I just hope he was lying though and telling him fake endings to mess with him. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna be a freaking uh like one of those very slow moving, tense, like drama movies. That'd be awesome. I cannot Final believe as he stabs him. I cannot believe old yeller ate Timmy's face. <laughs> <laughs> ate it just like monkey ate Lady's face. <laughs> yeah. So be careful out there, folks, with your spoilers. Yeah. Someone's that someone may just come at you. You gotta do spoiler alert. You gotta do like obviously. Eat. Obviously, cannabis is not legal in Antarctica because if it was, this guy would be a lot more chill. That's right. Well, that that's a perfect thing to follow up the Game of Thrones because I know when people are where we're in we're in mid season the Game of Thrones. Some people are like two episodes back, and you like mm-hmm. you gotta preface like talking about like, did you see Game of Thrones? Because people will lose their shit. 
you know, what have you seen so far? Yeah. People freak out. They're like, God damn it. I didn't, I didn't know. You know, like you ruined the whole episode for him. Like, <laughs> damn, bro. Yep. And then there's some people that are like, oh, I'm three seasons behind. I'm like, well, that's just tough, tough shit. I mean, you should have what you should have caught up at least to the current season. You know, I got no sympathy for you. Bro. I hear you, man. Well, and you know what? If they had this machine down there in Antarctica, I think there'd be a lot less tension as well. They wouldn't even be reading. Which machine are we talking about, Brian? Well, this is uh, this is interesting. So the quote-unquote blowjob papers, scientists have processed 109 hours of oral sex to develop an AI that sucks dick. The auto <laughs> So this is a device that is now up on Indiegogo. It went on last week and they had a goal of reaching $50,000. And the good folks of the auto blow AI is they're up to 135,000 already. So they are 271% of their goal with 25 days left. Now this is the patent pending penis stroking mechanism, which performs 16 oral sex techniques uh, discovered using artificial intelligence. Dude, there's Orion Auto Blue, Auto Blow 2 plus XT, whatever that is. With the X, be careful of the XT one. It's got like a little diesel motor on there, I guess. <laughs> So the machine can move its soft sleeve and carriage between any of 250 different points at a variety of velocities. You know, that's not a word that you often associate with your genitals is velocity. Unlocking sensations previously caused only by humans. That sounds weird. Oh my God, I gotta send you Oh God, an edging feature allows users to pause movement at any moment to prolong enjoyment or to practice lasting longer. The edging feature. The edging feature. So yeah, so the the, uh, creation of this device has all been done through the research of what is called the blowjob paper. (laughs) And as Vice said, definitely not peer-reviewed. That's full of sexy or at least sexually themed algorithmic research. In this work, we seek to quantify the common or typical movements involved in oral sex performed on males. The paper begins. To do so, we analyze a data set containing over 108 hours of pornographic video annotated at each frame with the position of the lips along the shaft of the penis. We use quantization techniques to discover 16 distinct motions. And using these motions, we design and evaluate a system that procedurally generates realistic movement sequences using deep learning. We quantitatively show that this system is superior to simple Markov chain techniques. Hmm. Yes. Science, yo. Oh, science. Just to be able to stick your dick in it. So it's pretty funny. They asked the creator of the uh, auto blow AI about his attempt to recruit serious scientists to work on jerk off machines. (laughs) He said his pitch to them didn't mince any words. I told them I make a sex toy for men focusing on recreating the blowjob experience and asked if they could use AI to study what really happens 
during blowjobs so that I could make my machine give blowjobs like a human, Sloan told me in an email. That was enough to cause seven companies to tell me almost immediately that the work was not for them. When I asked why, they didn't want to talk about why. The eighth team said yes and produced the blowjob paper, which Sloan said he paid $30,000 for. But for all the beautiful calculations and data collection methods this research holds, one thing is conspicuously missing in the paper, the names of the authors. There are no names on this paper, no research teams to credit, no institutions claiming responsibility for this work. The scientists did the work anonymously because they believed their other clients might drop them if they were publicly associated with it. Now, isn't that a little just sad as a society that we still have this kind of stigma and this, you know, puritanical, goofy belief system that, you know, sexual pleasure is this devil and this enemy and this, this, uh, this enemy of progress and hard work that we have. Like that little jerk off machine raised $135,000. I think if it's worth that much money, people are going to start jumping up saying, I made that happen. It's, it's fucking capitalism. You think this, you know, this is, you know, you worry about becoming lazy and sloth like, and you know, that was kind of part of the whole reason why they, you know, always want to try to, you know, say sex and for pleasure and masturbation is all evil because you're not going to get your work done. You're not going to, you know, try hard. This is the opposite of that. Someone is making uh creating a whole new business around this, this research. Well, think about this. You don't even have to stop work because you can get, you know, you can do this while you work stuff. So. I be on the computer. Yeah. Playing Xbox while you're doing this, you know. This is pretty fascinating stuff here. Kids are never going to leave the house. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, teenage, teenage boy is never going to leave the freaking house. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you go into the Kickstarter page, you can check out, you know, the uh, the actual product here and you can sign up for it. This is part of the Indiegogo After Dark collection. Oh, they have an app. Wow, I wonder what they have. What else they have? It's um. Did you? Are you on the page? Uh, yes. I'm Scroll going. down to the picture of the dude with the zucchini. Yes. Yeah, so oh my god! It's like a whole video of him putting the zucchini there. Yeah. And there's all different kind of apparatuses, apparati you can get. You can choose your perk. You can get the vagina sleeve or the anus sleeve. Or the VIP clear auto blow AI. The VIP clear. Yeah. Look at this. It's working. It's working, guys. You know, somebody's going to get one. Hey, everybody, look at this. <laughs> well, I sent you the link for the auto, auto blow two. And that one has a video and it's like a marketing video, but it's like a cartoon. Ding, 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 like that kind of thing. And it's pretty fun. Auto blow to electric boogaloo. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is. Um, what are you doing there, Timmy? I'm using auto blow, Mister. Dude, the future is going to get weirder and weirder. And if you just can't start opening your mind and embracing this, uh, the future is not going to be a place for you. Yeah, I tell you, it is going to get weirder and weirder. So, well, Why isn't there? So late yeah. night, I'm, I'm flipping through. I couldn't sleep uh, a few nights ago. So I'm flipping through the channels and I come across Adam and Eve has this show at night where this lady is just talking about vibrators. 
<laughs> is it the old lady? No, no. She's like a young girl. Remember the old lady who used to... But like, she's sex, telling him. It's like a QVC... Sue? Oh, Remember her? Yeah. No, this is like a QVC for vibrators. It's the weirdest shit. I was like, what the hell? I'm like, they're selling these things. Wow. It was pretty funny. Yeah, so apparently they're working with Real Doll to make a little half of a face you can attach to it. They're going to put the Real Doll in there. Well, they're just putting... Yeah. It's like half a face, which is even weirder. Let's see. Oh. Yeah, there's no eyes. If you scroll it's down, it's just like, nose. I don't know why, why they include the nose then. <laughs> and then they show the VIP going and it's like pumping it back and forth. It's like, damn, that looks creepy. Yeah. So, hey, you still got 25 more days if you want to back the auto blow AI. <laughs> or, or front it. Ayo. Ayo, there you go. You well, there, there is the, front the, back. the anus sleeve is available, so you can back it if you'd like to. Yeah, vagina sleeve, early bird special, ace. Yeah. VIP clear. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? This thing could be amazing, but you know what? At the end of the day, you're going to have to clean it after. And that's when things get really, that's when things get real. really depressing. Damn. So, yeah. So, get out there, get on there, back these folks and further science. Science, yeah. Let's see. 145 claim to the audible. So this it's probably going to be close to 200 people walking around with these. Just saying. <laughs> it's possible someone at your place of work has one of these in their gym bag. How many, one out of how many men are going to have one of these, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just in time for Father's Day. Oh, Christmas is coming. Early, early Christmas. Well, this is all being delivered in May. Ah. Oh, so. Yeah, Father's Day. Just in time for Father's Day. So it's out there, folks. Awesome. And it's suitable for virtually all penis girths. So, you know, part of their marketing, I think, might be, they might want to change it. Like Autoglow AI, Autoglow AI went viral. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Sounds terrible. Yeah. So I'm going to get a virus with that, this thing. Well, then again, if you share it, don't share the Autoglow. Ugh, imagine borrowing someone's. Oh, no. Sorry, bro. I used your Autoglow. Alright, bro, man. I put a rubber no, on. It's all right. Yours now. I put I a want rubber it, on. It's all right, man. I don't want it back. Uh, you know, it's gonna be like a frat house with one auto blow. The whole frat house. Oh well, you know, like yeah, they're gonna like you're just gonna people are gonna jack to those auto blows and yeah. Uh, man, I told you, always wear a rubber when you do the auto blow. Man, I don't like those things. I gotta go and. Magical stuff. Uh, All right. Well, that's how we're going to end the podcast, isn't it? We can do a rental. Autoblow rental. It's like Netflix. So send it, send right? it to you. And to the vagina and we send it to you. And we'll, you send it back and we'll send it to clean. Send it, back. it looks like a thermos, which is even weirder. <laughs> no, that's my autoblow. Somebody has a project on the desk. <laughs> it looks like a little uh, fan or air conditioner. It looks like the uh, the Apple, like the uh, the Mac Pro. Dish or external drive. All right, enough of this. We're can't we're ending the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
We appreciate you listening. Check us out at skibumpodcast.com. We are also on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on Pinterest. It's highfalutins. We're on YouTube. I don't know. Search for us, highfalutin ski bums, and also on SoundCloud as highfalutin dash ski bum. So remember next week, we will be, I will be at TGR with our buddy Frank on Wednesday in New York. And both Mario and I will be in Boston at the ski and snow, snow yeah, uh, ski and snow show. So follow us on the socials. We'll drop hints where we are. And if you're around, drop by and say hi. And we look forward to meeting up with you guys. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see you guys. Uh, might not. We'll probably do a podcast next week. But we'll be plenty on the socials and we'll recap it all the week after. So we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Stay high, stay polluting. See you.